This tape's going to be about the blessings and the curses. I am completely convinced after my study of the Word of God, many people in the church are not living where they should be living because there is a curse placed on them. Lots of people in the church are just like myself. For many, many years, I did not even know there was such things as blessings or curses. But there certainly are such things as blessings and curses because the Word of God is very clear as it talks about blessings and curses. As Moses was bringing the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, he told them to speak a blessing and to speak a curse. Now, first of all, I'm going to read just a little bit about the blessings in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, this is where we would all like to live, but I want you to see that if you're not living in this realm, then there's a curse of some kind on your life. Listen to what the Lord says here in Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses. Now, you will also see that these are totally dependent upon us, upon you to obey for you to receive these. Now, listen in verse 1. If you fully obey all of these commands of the Lord your God, the laws I am declaring to you today, God will transform you into the greatest nation in the world. These are the blessings that will come upon you. Blessings in the city, blessings in the field, many children, ample crops, large flocks and herds, blessings of fruit and bread, Blessings when you come in and blessings when you go out. The Lord will defeat your enemies before you. They will march out together against you, but scatter before you in seven directions. The Lord will bless you with good crops and healthy cattle and prosper everything you do when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He will change you into a holy people dedicated to himself. This he has promised to do if you will only obey him and walk in his ways. All the nations in the world shall see that you belong to the Lord, and they will stand in awe. The Lord will give you an abundance of good things in the land, just as he promised, many children, many cattle, and abundant crops. He will open to you his wonderful treasury of rain in the heavens, to give you fine crops every season. He will bless everything you do, and you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow from them. If you will only listen and obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, he will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall always have the upper hand. But each of these blessings depend on your not turning aside in any way from the laws I have given you, and you must never worship other gods. Now just listen to those magnificent promises of blessing. Now if you're not living in that realm, then you're living somewhere under the curse. There's only blessings or curses, and it's your choice. Now sometimes we don't know that, and we make the wrong choice 
But now let me read a little bit here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, about the curses. If you won't listen to the Lord your God and won't obey these laws that I'm giving you today, then all of these curses shall come upon you. Curses in the city, curses in the fields, curses on your fruit and bread, the curse of barren wombs, curse upon your crops, curses upon the fertility of your cattle and flocks, curses when you come in, curses when you go out. For the Lord himself will send his personal curse upon you, and you will be confused and a failure in everything you do until at last you are destroyed because of the sin of forsaking him. He will send disease among you until you are destroyed from the face of the land which you are about to enter and possess. He will send tuberculosis, fever, infections, plague, and war. He will blight your crops, covering them with mildew. All these devastations shall pursue you until you perish. The heavens above you will be as unyielding as bronze, and the earth beneath you will be as iron. The land will become as dry as dust for lack of rain, and dust storms shall destroy you. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You will march out to battle gloriously, but flee before your enemies in utter confusion, and you will be tossed to and fro among all the nations of the earth, and your dead bodies will be food to the birds and wild animals, and no one will be there to taste, chase them away. Now, that's just a small portion of the curses that are laid out here. There's many, many more in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I believe that people are living under these curses, and they don't even know it, so they don't know what the problem is. I think it's time we learn what these problems are, how these curses come upon us, who makes these curses happen to us, how to get set free from these curses, and how to live under the blessings. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the Lord gives us the choice. He says here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So as you can see there, he has given us the choice. Now the main difference between the Lord and us as mothers and fathers, when the Lord tells us to choose blessings or curses, it's set in concrete. It cannot be changed. If we choose blessings, if we choose to be obedient to his word and do everything he says, the blessings will flow. If we choose not to be obedient and we go away from God and break his rules, then the curses come. And I think that's what's wrong with most of us. Uh, we don't understand this or don't even know it, so we don't know when we sin that that brings the curse. Now, the word curse is used in the Bible. It depends on the translation you use, whether it be the King James, the New King James, the Living Bible, or whatever. But it, I've, I've checked it in several versions. But the word curse used is used approximately 200 
or more times, depending on the translation you use. Now, God must have meant for us to know about them, so let's see what the Scripture says about the types of curses. Now, from what I can uh, come up with in the Word of God, uh, there are about six types of curses. There may be more. This may not be all of them. But these are six that I can find. Uh, There is a generational curse. There is a personal sin curse. There are accursed things. There are witchcraft curses. There are founding father curses. And the one that I think is probably the worst of all, that we probably all commit more than any other of these, is word curses. Now, this is absolutely startling when you understand all of these different curses and how they work. But now the scripture also says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2, there is a cause for every curse. Because in Proverbs 26, 2, he says, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. That means that to be cursed, you have to have broken the laws of God. Now, if you break these laws of God, the curses are going to come. Now, curses are regulated by spiritual law, God's law. Now, you cannot accidentally stumble into a curse. It is God who decides whether one is cursed or blessed. And his decision is based upon your obedience to his commandments. Because in Deuteronomy 28, as we said a while ago, if you will not hear the and obey the Lord your God to do all these laws I'm giving you today, then all these curses will come upon you. Now, it's totally up to us to live under the blessings or under the curses. Think about that and begin to do what the Lord says and be blessed. Now, God said he would visit the iniquity or the sins of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. Now, he said that in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Now, in Ezekiel 18:2, the Lord made a statement here in his scriptures that if you're not really checking this out, you will miss this. But listen to what he says in Ezekiel 18.2. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth have been set on edge. Now, they saw these things being passed on to their children, so they wrote this verse. Wrestling with shadows, life is like this. If you do not understand the Word of God, This is the reason the devil does not want you to read and understand the Bible. When you stop and think about it, human life presents a confused mingling of light and shadows, arranged according to no set pattern, governed by no discernible laws. You take two men. They start out in life appearing to have the same things. They live in the same town. Both of them may even be Christians. They may have the same education. Everything seems to be the same. 
One always appears to walk in the light. The other always in darkness. One has no problems and everything goes right. The other nothing seems to go right and just cannot make it in life and then dies at an early age. Have you ever known anybody like this? Anyone that have had these kind of problems where that two men, you, you hear people say, this guy was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Everything he does, is he, he makes money or he's blessed. The other one, nothing he does ever works out right. You ever stop to think about why these things happen to people? Well, I'm here to tell you, these things are all laid out in the Word of God. Other ways that curses affect us, one person receives healing and fast, and the next one will not be healed. What are the reasons for these things? The Bible speaks clearly about these things. It calls them blessings or curses. The forces that determine history fall into two categories, visible and invisible. Now, it is the interplay between these two realms that determine the course of history. As long as we confine our attention to the things that are visible and material, we find ourselves confronted from time to time by events and situations we cannot fully explain. To the visible realm belongs all the normal objects and the material universe. We are familiar with them, and we feel right at home in them, even though sometimes things do not go like we would like for them to go. For many people, the limits of their awareness do not go beyond this realm, the realm of the visible. Many people do not even begin to understand the spiritual realm. And when you don't, you will never be able to understand what's going on. Yet the Bible opens the door to another realm, the invisible realm, the spiritual realm. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verses 17 through 18, Paul makes us aware of both realms. Now let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 that Paul wrote here. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we see clearly there from the Scriptures that there's two realms, a visible realm and an invisible realm, or the tangible realm and the spiritual realm. And as you begin to see into the spiritual realm, you will see why we have the problems that we have. Now, both the blessings and the curses belong to the invisible realm. They are vehicles of the supernatural spiritual power. Now, blessings produce good and beneficial results. Curses, on the other hand, 
produce bad and harmful results. They are seldom limited to just a given person. This is what's so devastating. They can affect your whole family and even your community and sometimes even a whole nation. Let's look at what happened to Spain when she forced all the Jews out. Spain was very powerful and very affluent nation. And after 19, I mean, not 19, 1492, whenever Columbus went out to discover the New World, Spain decided to cast out all the Jews. She didn't want the Jews no more, so she commanded that all the Jews to leave. At that time, Spain was a very powerful nation, and after she caused all the Jews to leave her land, Spain went to nothing. Now, if you'll think about it, since 1492, when at that time, Spain was a very powerful nation. After that, she went to nothing. She has never been a powerful nation. She's been in poverty. There's never been a spiritual revival. There's never been any major groups of people there. There's never been any major money made in that country. Spain has been a very backwards country. Now then, the Scripture says clearly that the nations that bless Israel, I will bless. And the nations that curse Israel, I will curse. So you can see here that because the Jews were kicked out of Spain, the curse came upon the entire nation of Spain. That's amazing. Now, blessings and curses may have their origin past generations. There may be things that may not be explainable in our own lifetime, good or bad. But the main vehicle of blessings and curses is words. Words. The word is the most, the tongue is the most powerful force on earth. And to think we have that thing in our mouth. Now that tongue will either put you over in life or it will curse you in life. It can have blessings or it can have curses. Now let's look at a few of these word curses. Now I want to go back to Proverbs chapter 11 verse 9. And I want you to see what the Lord says here. It says, The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. And in uh, Proverbs twelve eighteen, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. And in Proverbs fifteen four, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now then, let's look in the New Testament at James chapter five, or excuse me, James chapter three, verse five and six, and then verse nine and ten. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? 
And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, the tongue, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and curses. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. However, words are not the only way blessings or curses come. Physical objects have a part in this also. Because in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22-33, the, the Lord gives us instructions on how to make the anointing oil. And then in Leviticus 8, 1-12, he tells us how to pl- apply it for the blessings to come to us. Now, this was in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 16, we see the cup of blessing and the bread is the vehicle through which we receive the blessings by faith. Now let's go there and read that verse. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, Paul writes, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So therefore, by faith, we partake of the blessings by taking of the communion of the Lord. Now then, on the contrary, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and on, we see how the judgment is passed on to us, so it is blessing or curse. Now let's read here in verse 27, starting in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have died early. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged of the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. I'm going to read to you here in Numbers chapter 5, starting with verse 11. This describes how objects condemn a woman that has been unfaithful to her husband. Now, it's so unfortunate that today, the world that we live in, so many people have been unfaithful to their mates. So I want you to see what the Lord says here in Numbers chapter 5, starting with verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him by sleeping with another man, and this is hidden from her husband, and her impurity is undetected since there is no witness against her, and she has not been caught in the act, 
and that feelings of jealousy come upon her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure or if he is jealous and suspect her even though she is not impure then he is to take his wife to the priest he must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephod of barley flour on her behalf he must not pour oil on it or put incense on it because it is a grain offering for jealousy a reminder offering to draw attention to guilt the priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water after the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the remaining offering the grain offering from jealousy while he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. The priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has slept with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may the bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have defiled yourself by sleeping with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under the curse of the oath. May the Lord cause your people to curse and denounce you when he causes your thigh to waste away and your abdomen to swell. May this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells and your thighs waste away. Then the woman is to say, Amen. So be it. Now just think. The woman is to drink this water and that bitter water and if she has been unfaithful to her husband then all these bad things are going to come upon her because the Lord will see to it. If she has not been unfaithful to her husband then nothing will happen to her and she will be cleansed and she can go away. Now in Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 and 5 is the second of the Ten Commandments and there is an endless number of ways to break these commandments and to have a curse come upon you. I'm going to read these two verses to you. The Lord says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now there is absolutely an endless number of ways that people can break those commandments. And if you do, those curses will come upon you. Now, let's look at some of the ways I believe that you can tell if you are under some type of a curse. Now, then there's many, many ways, but I want to just name a few here. First of all, if you have mental and or emotional breakdowns or mental or emotional problems, if you have repeated or chronic sicknesses, especially if these sicknesses are hereditary, if they come down a line, if you have the same problems that your mother had or the same problems that your father had, 
you're under a curse. If you're afflicted with barrenness, a tendency to miscarry, or related female problems, you're under some type of a curse. You'll see people that cannot have children under any circumstances. You see people that have had three, four, and five miscarriages or many different kinds of female problems. Many women have to have hysterectomies because they're under a curse. Now, a breakdown of a marriages and family alienations. These are all symbols of being under a curse. Being accident-prone. I mean, you see people that people say, my lens, if that guy had any luck, it would be bad. Everything he does. He, he's running over something. He's breaking something. His car breaks down. Uh, or he gets his arms hurt or his back hurt or his foot broke. He's just accident prone. And people think that's just the way of life for that person. And it certainly is because that person's under a curse. A history of suicides and unnatural or untimely deaths in any given family. If you see a family that their people die young or unnaturally or untimely, that they do not live out their full years, then that family is under a curse. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 34, it says confusion of heart or of mind. Uh, 20 verse 28 says a trembling heart or anxious mind and 2065 anguish of soul or a despairing heart now the areas affected are the heart soul or man the inner parts of the person has been attacked by hostile forces some people no longer have total control of themselves and people say things like you're losing control there is no hope for you. Your mother wound up in a mental institution, and I guess you will be next. There's two key words, confusion and depression. And most of the time, it all began with some kind of occult practice. Now, sometimes, whatever this occult practice was, it may have to be known and revoked and the sin confessed before the demon that goes with it can be gotten out. Uh, I've experienced these kinds of things a few times in my life. And until I learned these things, there were several people that I could not get healed or could not get them to where they could live in the blessings until we found out that these people were under a generational curse. Now then, if you have repeated or chronic sicknesses, especially if it's hereditary. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 21 through 61, lists a whole lot of these things. It starts out with plagues, incurable, extraordinary, fearful, prolonged, lingering, malignant. Now, these are listed as the things that go along with these curses. Now, then... Uh, there is only one way to know if a curse is at work, and that is if the Holy Spirit tells you so. So you need to definitely learn how to be tuned in to the Holy Spirit. Now, he will tell you if there's a curse there. Now, under barrenness, we have a tendency to miscarry or related female problems. 
Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 18 says, Cursed is the fruit of your womb. Now, more than likely, lots of menstrual disorders are the results of a curse. Now, I want you to think about these things. We are supposed to be blessed. We're supposed to be living under the blessings. But when these things comes upon us, these are all listed in the Bible. Just like the breakdown of families and marriages. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 41, many people today have lost their children to drugs, sex, satanic music, and every form of the occult, which means they're under a curse. Now then, continuing financial insufficiency. Deuteronomy 28, verses 17 and 29 says, Curse shall be your basket and your kneading trough. You will be unsuccessful in all that you do. Now, prosperity is under the blessings, and poverty is under the curse. So that's how you can tell. If everything you do is prosperous, and you're living in good health, and the blessings are there, and your finances are all met, you're living under the blessings of prosperity. If you can't meet your needs, and you always have lack, you're living in poverty, and that's under the curse. Under accident-prone, being accident-prone, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 29 says, You shall grope as a blind man in darkness. Let's, let's look at some examples of that. The breaking of bones too easily, falling down and twisting ankles, falling down the stairs, for some people, there just seems to be an invisible force at work that causes too many problems in their life, and more than likely, it is a curse at work. Now then, if you have a history of suicides or unnatural deaths, Deuteronomy 28 lists many ways to die if you do not keep God's rules. That's amazing, isn't it? We're either living under the blessings or the curses. And most of us have absolutely no knowledge of these things. Now, generational curses. This is something I think is so prevalent today. Under Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the Lord says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then he even tells us, he says, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Now, if a man chooses to walk with God, the blessings will follow him and his children. But if he does not walk with God, the curses will follow him and his children. Because it's so clearly laid out there in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. It is your choice. Ancestral curses are more often determined by their ill effects. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 and on enumerates several common effects of curses that can be paraphrased as follows. Number one, poverty or perpetual financial insufficiency. Two, barrenness or impotency together with miscarriages and related female complications. Three, failure. Plans and projects meet with failure. Number four, untimely and unnatural deaths. Number five, sickness and disease especially chronic and hereditary diseases. Six, life traumas, going from one crisis to another. 
and then mental and emotional breakdowns. Breakdowns of family relationships, including divorce. Spiritually hindered in hearing God's voice, sensing God's presence, understanding the Bible, concentration in prayer and being devoid of spiritual gifts. To get set free from the curse, you must repent, rebuke the curse, and claim by faith what is written in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, 14, and 15. I'm going to go there. We're going to read those verses. Now here the Lord tells us if we're under a curse today, praise the Lord, we have a way to get set free from it. Now in the Old Testament, we didn't have this opportunity or this privilege, but today we have it. Because in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the scriptures read that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written. You always want to remember, for it is written. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now then, if he redeemed us from the curse, he became a curse for us so that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus? What are the blessings of Abraham? Who knows what the covenant consists of, so we will know what the blessings of Abraham are. So there again, a lack of knowledge. Even if you know that you can be redeemed from the curse, you cannot receive the blessings of Abraham if you don't know what the blessings are. He says that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So again, the Spirit promised these Abrahamic blessings to us that we might receive them by faith. But how in the world are you going to receive something by faith that you don't even know that belongs to you? Even when you find this and you get set free from the curse by repenting and recognize that Christ redeemed you from the curse, you can be set free from that. But what are the blessings of Abraham? We need to know just a little bit about what those blessings are. I'm going to hit on these blessings just a little bit that was made to Abraham in Genesis 12 through Genesis 22 because as the Lord says he will bless him, that word is used in the New Testament, I mean in the Old and the New Testament, uh, many, many times, over 300 times. And they mean in all these places, uh, in, I mean in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, over 300 times, and they mean these blessings that was given to Abraham was a great life, an abundant life. To have the above, you must have salvation, so it means salvation. You, you, you will have success, prosperity, long life, and health. Now, blessings come only from the Lord God. Only he has the power to bless. Now, in the New Testament, we read in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So, it's totally up to us to be blessed or cursed. 
if we remain in him and he remains in us then we can come and ask him whatever we want to and he will do it for us as the body of Christ now then I'm going to talk a little bit about personal sin curses uh, this is in Deuteronomy 27 26 uh, it says cursed is a man who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out now I want to mention many types of personal sin curses I want you to listen carefully to these I'm just going to kind of do a, a quick overview of these because there's so many of them and I've probably got uh, 30 of these things somewhere in that neighborhood 30, 40 of them listed here and I'm sure this is not all of them but this ought to be enough to get your attention now listen to these personal sin curses that bring a curse upon you in Deuteronomy chapter 27:15 and Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 he talks about idolatry if you give worship to any kind of idol this will bring a curse and Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 16 he says if you dishonor one's parents you will be under a curse and then in Deuteronomy 27:18 he says cruelty to a handicapped person will put you under a curse and then Deuteronomy 27:19, if you are oppressing the defenseless, this will put you under a curse. Now here's one that gets lots and lots of people today all over the world. Deuteronomy 27, verses 21 through 29, he says very clearly there, if you commit fornication. And then in uh, Deuteronomy 27, chapter 27 verses 22 23 and 29 he says incest if a family has incest in the family it puts the whole family under a curse and then in Deuteronomy 27 verse 21 it says if you've ever had sex with an animal either male or female you're under a curse and then Deuteronomy 22 numbers 5 and Leviticus 20 he talks about adultery Anybody that commits a sex act with someone other than their mate, that's adultery, and that puts you under a curse. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, Genesis chapter 19, verses 13, 24, and 25, says homosexual relationships put you under a curse. And here's one that'll get lots of people, even married couples. It says Leviticus chapter 20, verse 18, says if a man and a woman have sex during her ministration period they are under a curse and then in Leviticus chapter 20 verse 14 it says a marrying marrying a woman and her mother will put you under a curse then in Deuteronomy 22 verse 25 it says if you rape someone that puts you under a curse then it says in Deuteronomy 23, verse 2, if you have children conceived out of a wedlock, those children are bastards, other illegitimate. That's the term it uses, and it puts you and the children under a curse. Now, in Deuteronomy 7, 25 and 26, it talks about accursed objects in your possession. And then it talks about uh, in Deuteronomy 18 verse 9 through 13 and Leviticus chapter 20 verses 6 and 27 
any occult practice such as divination, sorcery, omens, witchcraft, consulting a medium, consulting the dead, in other words, fortune-telling, playing with a Ouija board, tarot cards, any occult practice. <clears throat> now, I know lots of people will tell you that some of those things are harmless and don't mean anything. Well, let me tell you, that's not what the Word of God says. That'll put you under a curse. And then Deuteronomy 27, verse 24 says murder. Then uh, it says in Deuteronomy 27, 25, if you've murdered for hire. Now then, that includes those who are paid to perform abortions. If you have performed abortions, you're murder for hire. And that will put you and your family under a curse. And then in Deuteronomy 28, 20, it says, If you forsake the Lord your God, that will put you under a curse. And then in Deuteronomy 28, 46, he says, If you're not serving the Lord joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, that will put you under a curse. And then in Deuteronomy 28, 58, he says, If you do not reverence the name of the Lord your God, will put you under a curse. And then in uh, Deuteronomy 29:19, he says, "Presumption in thinking that one can disregard God's word and devise his own way." And then in uh, Genesis 12:3, 27, 27:9, and Numbers 24:9, cursing or mistreating Abraham's seed will put you under a curse. And then in Judah 5:23 and Jeremiah 48:10. Refusing to help the Lord in warfare. That ought to get a bunch of us. Because those of us that refuse to do spiritual warfare against the enemies of hell, that puts us under a curse. And here's one, Malachi 2, 2. If we fail to give God the glory, when he does something, if we fail to give him the glory, it puts us under a curse. And then in Malachi 3, 9 and Haggai 1, 6 through 9, it says, if a man is robbing God of the tithe, that puts you under a curse. Are you tithing? If you're not tithing, you're under a curse. Now then, Jeremiah 48.10, if you neglect the work of the Lord, and how many people have neglected to go out and do what the Lord has told them to do? And then in Deuteronomy 13, 18-21, it says, if you entice others away from the Lord into a false religion, in other words, into some kind of a cult like the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons or uh, the Christian Scientists or any of those denominations that's a bloodless, uh, or, or a bloodless uh, religion. If you get away from mainline Christianity, anything that does not teach that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, if you get involved in anything else, that will put you under a curse. And then in uh, Revelations 22, 18 through 19, it says taking away or adding to the Word of God. So if there's anybody that's changed, added, or taken away from the Word of God, you're under a curse. And then Jeremiah 28, 16 through 17, if you're teaching rebellion against the Lord, you're under a curse. And in Ezekiel 3, 18 through 21, if you refuse to warn those who sin. You put you under a curse. If you see somebody that's sinning and you say, oh, well, that's not my business. I won't say anything. Did you realize 
because you have refused to warn those who sin, you are under a curse, according to Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. If you defile the Sabbath, Exodus 31, 14, and Numbers 15, 32 through 36, if you defile the Sabbath, you're under a curse. Now, then Galatians 1, 8 through 9, perversion to the gospel of Christ. In other words, if you teach anything other than Jesus is Lord. And then in 1 Kings 2, 8 and 9, and Exodus 22, 28, if you curse one's ruler. How many people have done that? We've probably all been guilty of that. And then in refusing to forgive others after asking God to forgive you. In Matthew 18, 34 through 35, he says he will clearly not forgive you if you will not forgive everybody from your heart. In fact, in Matthew 18, 35, he goes so far as to say he will turn you over to the devil and his demons if you will not forgive everybody from your heart. But he'll do that to, not only to you, but to you and your spouse if you're married and to your children and your lands and your homes and your cars and everything that you own will come, become legal right of the devil. And that's all because you walk with unforgiveness in your heart. Now then, in Deuteronomy 18.10 and Leviticus 18.21, he talks about abortion. In other words, child sacrifice. If you kill children, you're under a curse. And then in uh, Deuteronomy 11.28 and 27.26, disobedience against any of the Lord's commandments, any of these commandments will put you under a curse. Now, there is another way to tell if you're under a curse. If you're not living under the blessings, you're under a curse. As we read a while ago in Deuteronomy 20, verses 1 through 14, you go back and look at all those wonderful blessings, and if you're not living in these blessings, you're under a curse. Now, let's look at some accursed things that we might bring into our homes that might be devastating to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 25 through 26, we see, The graven images of their God shall you burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be cursed, lest thou be a cursed thing like it, but thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Now all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now let's look at some scriptures that confirm what we're talking about here. You may remember the story over in Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 26, where Joshua and Achan at Jericho, they had went in, they had won the battle, the walls had fell down, and Joshua told them clearly not to take anything. Now, they didn't lose a man. They went in there, they took Jericho, but Achan, he saw... Uh, uh, some clothes and some silver and some gold and things. He thought how nice this would be and it wouldn't hurt anything 
if I just take these few things. So he brought these few things back to his tent and buried it in his tent. Then later, whenever uh, Joshua and some men went out to fight again, several of the men got killed and they got beat up on. And you'll see there in the scriptures where Joshua came back and he prayed and he got on his face and he did everything before God and says, Lord, what is wrong? What happened? How come we got beat up on and several of my men lost their lives? Finally, the Lord told him, he said, Joshua, get up off your face. There is sin in the camp. That means that God does not walk with you when you sin. So when you, God is not with you, you have no power. So he told Joshua what to do, and they started searching and, and going through the camp, and they found that Achan, the lot fell at Achan's tent, and they went in and found that Achan had got the clothes and the gold and the silver and the things, and so they took Achan, not only Achan, but his wife and his children and his tent and his lands, his house, I mean, I mean his cattle, everything he had. Everything Achan had was taken outside the camp and stoned and killed and burned to rid evil from among them. So there is a case for an accursed thing that was brought into Achan's house that not only destroyed him, but it destroyed his entire family. Now then, here's something that gets most people in the church today. Malachi 3, verses 7 through 12 says the tithe is God's and if you keep it you will be cursed many people today are living under a curse in the church they're sick and afflicted and have all kinds of problems among themselves and their children because they are not a tither and the Lord clearly says in Malachi 3 chapter 3 verses 7 through 12 that if you will not tithe you are under a curse. Now, some other things that put people under a curse, I mean, there's pictures, there's jewelry, there's artifacts from Indians, uh, from foreign countries, and almost anything that does not bring glory and honor to God. Be very careful, because in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 and 5, as we read a while ago, under the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. How are we told in the word to remember Jesus? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So that's how we're supposed to remember Jesus today. That's what we're supposed to bring into our house is 
their unleavened bread and the juice and that's how we partake of his body so be very careful what you bring into your house be careful of the pictures and the things that might be accursed have nothing to do with anything don't read the horoscope none of these things don't give place to the devil now then word curses these are probably the most abused thing that there is on the face of the earth today word curses we do not understand word curses the Lord told us that death and life are in the power of the tongue in Proverbs 18:21, it says spoken words have the power to bless or to curse now when you when you think about this and I'm going to read a little bit in Mark 11 verse 14 because here is how Jesus spoke a curse he gave us a perfect example of how this works and Jesus answered and said unto it as he's talking to the fig tree there when he walks up to the fig tree he says no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever and his disciples heard it now then Jesus spoke a word curse to that fig tree because the next day when they came back by there in Mark 11, Peter said, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed has died. He spoke negatively to that tree. And by speaking negatively to that tree, he put a curse on that tree and that tree died. How many times in your life have you spoken negatively to someone or about yourself not realizing that you were putting a word curse on others or on yourself because just like this example Jesus told us here in Mark 11:14 he spoke negatively to that tree and that tree died and Peter recognized that he had spoken a curse but in John 11 verses 43 and 44 here he spoke life and when he thus had spoken he cried or said with a loud voice Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin Jesus said unto them loose him and let him go now look here how did Jesus speak this curse he spoke it with his mouth what did he do to speak a word curse he spoke negatively to that tree and that tree died if you go around speaking negatively to people or about yourself all the time you're going to have what you say because the Lord clearly said that in Mark 11. But here in John 11, 43, he spoke life with a mouth, the same mouth, he spoke life. He called forth Lazarus from the grave. So with your mouth, you can speak life. You can speak blessings to people if you will be very careful what comes out of your mouth. And in James 3, verses 6 through 10 and he says and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity so is the tongue among our, among our members that it defileth the whole body and settles on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil it is full of deadly poison therewith Bless we God, 
even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Now, if you look at those verses, you would think that there's no way you can control the tongue. But praise God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you yield yourself to the Lord, you can control your tongue. Now, when you're dealing with word curses, we must consider a few things. Number one, evil words that others have spoken against us and evil words that we have spoken against others and evil words that we have spoken against ourselves. You have to be so careful. We don't realize the things that we say have such a tremendous impact on our lives. Remember that when others speak evil against you, if you walk wholly before the Lord and are prayed up and confessed up, you can just say, I do not receive those curses, and the Lord will not let them come on you. This is why he told us to walk wholly before him, because he loves us and wants to see us blessed. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, he commands us to bless others. He says, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Now, why did the Lord tell us to bless? In Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, in the Living Bible, it says, Cursed is anyone who does not obey these laws. And all the people shall reply, Amen. I want to continue on here. We're talking about the word curses and how powerful these word curses are. Because in... Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and on, the Lord says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do this? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do this? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So he's telling us there, if we want to reap the rewards, we have to do what he says. And to tell us how important our words are. Even the little tiny words that we speak when we're just idle words. We're just sitting around talking. Listen to what he says in Matthew twelve thirty six. But Jesus said, I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So be very careful what comes out of your mouth. Listen to what happens when you speak evil about yourself. In Proverbs 6, 2, it says, You are snared with the words of your own mouth. You are taken with the words of your mouth. Isn't this amazing? Now, in the Scripture here, this context of this message, he's talking about a loan you stand good for for someone else. 
So if someone comes to you and says, will you stand in with me or will you sign on this note for me? If you don't know that person extremely well and you say yes and you sign for them and you stand in good for that loan and then that person can't make that loan, you're going to have to come up with that money. And so with your own words, your own mouth, you were snared with the words of your own mouth. You know, it's, it's just amazing what we do with our mouth. And when we we speak curses upon ourselves so much of the time. In other words, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 25, as they were answering the question, it says, Then all then answered all the people and said, His blood, now talking about Jesus, His blood be on us and on our children. Now, you look at this curse. This curse is still going on today because of that one little thing that they said there in uh, whenever that curse of what Jesus, that curse was taken upon the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel is still suffering today because of those curses. Now let's look here in uh, Numbers chapter 14. Let's also look at a curse that these people spoke upon themselves in Numbers chapter 14. Uh, evidently the Lord was kind of uh, hot against his nation because he says, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmurs against me? I have heard them murmuring of the children of Israel which they murmured against me. So say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upwards, which have murmured against me. Now just think. Those people had just got through saying it would have been better if we had have died in the wilderness. As said that with their own mouth, and as the Lord says, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. It is so awesome, the word curses, that we put up on ourselves. So be very careful what you say. Now I'm going to come over to the New Testament and James, I mean in Matthew and James, and I'm going to read a couple of things to you here that so many people don't understand. Now in Matthew 5, starting with verse 34, the Lord says here, But I tell you, do not swear or take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Because anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, what's he trying to say there? Do not take any binding oath of any kind, because if you do, he says, these things come from the evil one. And then here in James chapter 5, again, the apostle James says, starting in verse 12, 
Above all, my brothers, do not swear or take an oath, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Now, how many times does people take an oath? And these oaths are very harmful. This gives the devil legal right, and he came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Now, this goes for all groups, organizations, lodges, and so forth. Again, I say, be very careful what you say. The Lord was very clear there. And how many of you have belonged to some kind of an organization or a lodge or whatever or a different group that required you to take some kind of a binding oath. And the Lord clearly says this will make you condemned or put you under a curse. So do not do it. One of the organizations that I have been associated with people, I've not been a member of this organization, but I've been associated with many people that have had curses put on them that either they have been sick, they have been afflicted, they have had strokes, they have had uh, children lost in accidents. Many serious things have happened, and they've never associated it to the fact that it was because they were under a curse. But I've been in places, and I've known people and talked to people, where people were under a curse, and the Holy Spirit revealed to them that these people were under a curse of a Freemasonry. The Masonic Lodge, you take oaths. Many oaths are in there. I know what those oaths are. I've heard them. I've read them. I have them in writing, so I know what they are. And they're terrible oaths that, that men take. And those oaths, of course, the enemy is doing his best to get people to join those organizations so that they will get the enemy will get legal right not only to them but to their children three and four generations into the future and many men have joined the Masonic Lodge and given Satan legal right to their families he has killed their children he has bound their wives in wheelchairs he has caused their children to lose their lives prematurely automobile accidents homes broken into, all kinds of sickness and disease have come upon people because of the Freemasonry curse that comes upon people. And I have studied this organization in detail, and I have written an article 10 pages long about this organization, and I know that many, many men, good men, Baptist preachers and other preachers and deacons have been deceived by the enemy and have fallen for his lie. But I can't make it any clearer than what the Lord says in Matthew 5 and James 5, take no oath. You know right there you have broken the law of God when he says take no oath because if you're a Freemason, you had to take an oath to join that organization. That organization also, in their books and writings, clearly say you cannot speak in the name of Jesus in their organization. 
So there's something else that should let you know that it is not of God. Now, I do realize there's some little uh, Masonic lodges, small ones that just got a few men. Maybe most of those men are Christians. They may pray in that lodge, and they may pray in the name of Jesus. But according to their rules, and if you get into a bigger lodge, they will not let you do this. I know of men that have gotten out of it when they were confronted by their uh, elders and so forth in the organization that they were not to speak the name of Jesus because I can show you in their written material where that's written. So be careful. Don't join one of these organizations because when you take those oaths, it will put you under a curse. Now, the Rainbow Girls and... And the organization, the women's organization, Eastern Star, is the same thing, only on the women's side. So if you belong to one of these organizations, renounce it, quit it, repent, and tell the Lord you're sorry that you sinned against him, and then cast any demon that went with that organization out in the name of Jesus and be set free. You do not realize the power of the spoken curses that we speak over ourselves. Now then, let's talk about another type of curse, founding father curses. Now in Proverbs 29.2, the Lord says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now we know that because as we see our founding fathers and what they do, when we do have righteous men in authority, we rejoice because good things happen to our land. But when the wicked bear through, we are in a state of mourning because so many bad things come upon the people. Now I'm going to turn to Second Chronicles and I'm going to read something about the kings of Israel there. Now let me show you what happens from these founding fathers' curses, when you go back and read Second uh, Chronicles 21, starting with verse 12, Jehoram received a letter from Elijah the prophet which said, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. You have not walked in the ways of your father Jehoshaphat or of Asa king of Judah, but you have walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and you have led Judah and the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves just as the house of Ahab did. You have also murdered your own brothers, members of your father's house, men who were better than you. So now the Lord is about to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and everything that is yours with a heavy blow. You yourself will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels until the disease causes your bowels to come out. The Lord aroused against Jehoram the hostility of the Philistines and of the Arabs who lived near the Cushites. They attacked Judah, invaded it, and carried off all the goods found in the king's palace together with his sons and wives. Not a son was left to him except Ahaziah the youngest. After all this, the Lord afflicted Jehoram with an incurable disease of the bowels. In the course of time, at the end of the second year, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great pain. 
His people made no fire in his honor as they had for his fathers. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Listen at that. When the wicked reigned, it brought death and destruction, war and everything upon all the people. The sons, the daughters, everybody suffered, including the king, and he died with a very bad disease, a great sickness by his bowels falling out because he had been disobedient and the whole nation suffered and paid the price because of the founding father's sin. That should make every man that has a family want to walk right and holy before God. And it would make him want to get out and vote for the right people so the fathers of this land will be good people. Because if we don't go out and vote for the right people and get the right people in, the wicked will reign, and when they do, all of us are going to suffer. So let's do our best to make sure that our founding fathers in our country are righteous and holy men. And whatever you do, lead your family righteous and holy so that the curses of the fathers won't have to be passed down to your children because the Lord says to them that love him and serve him will blessings flow to you and to your children for a thousand generations. And that's a whole lot better. I want us to look at another verse in Romans chapter 12, or I mean Romans chapter 5, verse 12, for the impact that a founding father had on the whole world. When you go back to Romans 5.12, you'll see that when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. His sin spread death throughout all the world so that everything began to grow old and die for all sinned. We know that it was Adam's sin that caused this because although, of course, people were sinning from the time of Adam until Moses, God did not in those days judge them guilty of death for breaking his laws because he had not yet given his laws to them, nor had he told them what he wanted them to do. So when their bodies died, it was not for their own sins, since they themselves had never disobeyed God's special law against eating the forbidden fruit as Adam had. Now what a contrast between Adam and Christ who was yet to come, and what a difference between man's sin and God's forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, he brought death to many through his sin. But this one man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's mercy. Now Adam's one sin brought the penalty of death to many, while Christ freely takes away many sins and gives glorious life instead. The sin of this one man, Adam, he caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes men right with God so that they can live. Adam caused many to be sinners because he disobeyed God, 
But Christ caused many to be made acceptable to God because he obeyed. Now, the Ten Commandments were given so that all could see the extent of their failure to obey God's laws. But the more we see our sinfulness, the more we see God's abounding grace forgiving us. Before, sin ruled over all men and brought them to death. But now God's kindness rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see in these scriptures in Romans 5:12 and on through the end of that chapter 5 how that by one man sin entered the world. The sins of our founding fathers had a tremendous impact on the world and that's still going on today. 6,000 years later. But praise God for all them that have found Christ Jesus and by faith have broken the curse over themselves. They are free from that, and they have been given life and given it more abundantly. But even though the Scripture says that, still many people, even though they're Christians, have never begun to receive anywhere close to all of the blessings that are rightfully theirs as sons of God. But praise God. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law and given us life and given it to us more abundantly if we can find it by faith. But it's sure there, so praise the Lord. So, as you can see, many examples of curses that comes upon us. Now then, I want to go on to another curse. Uh, I don't think too many people in the church today fall under this curse. But there may be more than I think. And this curse the Lord talks about is witchcraft curses. Now, there is so many ways to do this. There may be ways that people even in the church are condemned that they don't even know about because God's Word condemns all witchcraft. Now, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 through 14. And I want to read this here in the Living Bible. It says, For example... Any Israelite who presents his child to be burned to death as a sacrifice to heathen gods must be killed. No Israelite may practice black magic or call on the evil spirits for aid or be a fortune teller. Or you may not be a serpent charmer, a medium, or a wizard, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone doing these things is an object of horror and disgust to the Lord. And it is because the nations do these things that the Lord your God will displace them. You must walk blamelessly before the Lord your God. The nations you replace all do these evil things. But the Lord your God will not permit you to do such things. Now, as you can see there, Witchcraft curses, there's many different kinds of witchcraft curses there. Of course, these include fortune-telling, uh, mediums, wizards, charmers, spirits of the dead, horoscope, and many Christians read horoscopes. Uh, you know, they, they just do so many things that because they don't know. There is a lack of knowledge that causes all these things. 
Now, the devil is at work, and I mean he is sly in what he does. I want to show you what the scripture says in 1 John 5, 18 and 19. That we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now then, anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Now if you find somebody that says they're born again and they just continue to go out and live uh, like the devil, they continue to live in adultery and to do all those things, it doesn't make it what they tell you. The Lord says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. But the devil has, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, who's he talking about there? He's talking about those people that does not walk in the light of Christ, people that are not believers. So the whole world is under the authority or the control of the evil one, which is Satan. And in Revelation 12, 9, it says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So where is that beast? He is here in the earth right now. He's running to and fro, devouring whom he may. So if you don't believe there's a devil out there, you better know there's a devil out there and he is doing everything he can to deceive you and get you under some kind of a curse so he will have a legal right to destroy you. And Paul, he was telling us we have to be very careful because he told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul said, But I am frightened, fearing that in some way you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord, just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. You seem so gullible. You believe whatever anybody tells you, even if he is preaching about another Jesus than the one we preach or a different spirit than the Holy Spirit you receive, or if they try to show you a different way to be saved. You swallow it all, Paul says. Now, there's many people who claim to be Christians that believe you can be saved by works and many other things and ways that Satan has deceived us. But there's only one way to be saved, and that's by the blood of Jesus, by faith, in the blood of Jesus. That is the only way. Because Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10 says, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith that we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in at your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with a heart you believe unto righteousness and are saved so that is the only way you can be born again and you have to do that with your mouth isn't that amazing 
everything is done with your mouth by words by spoken words you either speak life or you speak death you speak blessings or you speak curses it's all in your mouth so be very careful what you say now I want you to see here some of the more of these curses that you that can be put on you in uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter 13 verse 18 the Lord says here actually in verse 17 he says son of dust speak out against the women prophets too who pretend the Lord has given them his message tell them the Lord God says woe to these women who are damning the souls of my people of both young and old alike by tying magic charms on their wrists and furnishing them with magic veils and selling them indulgences they refuse to even offer help unless they get a profit from it for the sake of a few salty handfuls of barley or a piece of bread will you turn away my people from me you have led those to death who should not die and you have promised life to those who should not live by lying to my people and how they love it isn't that amazing who would ever dream that by tying a little charm on your arm a little magic charm on your wrist or a magic veil or all those little things that seem so insignificant you cause these people to die just look what the Lord says in, in here he says that uh, your lies have discouraged the righteous when I didn't want it so and you have encouraged the wicked by promising life though they continue in their sins goodness many of these people have died because they did not know that you should not put magic charms and little bracelets and things these things are all part of the occultic forces of darkness and they cause these people to die early the Lord says so in these scriptures that many people have died prematurely because of these things think about that think what you do and if you doubt these things get the Bible down study these things I put many scriptures here for you to read I want you to realize the many ways that curses causes devastation in your life and shortens your life curses are very real now today you need to learn to stand against these curses and to stand against the devil and the only way you can do this is to put on the full armor of God now then to put on that armor in Ephesians 6 uh, in 6 12 he says we fight not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies who is that that is Satan and his host of demons and their fallen angels that are flying around out there in the second heaven that are controlling many 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 people the whole world the scripture says except the Christians and it's unfortunate that he's controlling many of the Christians but the Lord tells us if we stand against the devil and we can do it but we can only do it if we put on every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy when he attacks and if we will do that when the battle's all over we'll still be standing up but to do this you will need to be 
You will need to have the strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. You'll have to wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. And what is that faith? Faith is the Word of God. It's knowing what the Word of God says and being able to quote it to the enemy, saying, It is written. And you will need the helmet of salvation. Now, that means you've got to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to have your mind protected with the helmet of salvation, which comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the sword of the Spirit, that double-edged sword, which is the Word of God, you've got to have that thing, and you have to charge the gates of hell straight on. So when you get the Word in you, you take that sword, which is the Word of God, and you charge the devil. And then you must pray all the time. You must ask God for anything in line with the Holy Spirit's wishes. Plead with Him, reminding Him of your needs, and keep praying earnestly for all Christians everywhere. And if you will do this, you will be the overcomer because if you've got that full armor on and the Spirit, you can beat the devil. You can walk without sinning. You can walk without sickness and disease because if you know what the Lord told us in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, if you believe these two verses and you'll walk in holiness before the Lord, you can come against the devil because listen to what the Lord says. In Luke 10, 19 and 20, he says, And I, Jesus, have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and to walk among serpents and scorpions, which is Satan and his demons, and to crush them. Nothing shall injure you. However, the important thing is not that demons and Satan obeys you, but that your names are registered as citizens of heaven. If you come into the kingdom of God, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you are a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. And in the name of Jesus, he has clearly given you authority over Satan and his demons. In fact, he told us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The good news that Jesus come and died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, that he come to set us free from sickness and disease and to give us authority over the devil. And he said, anybody that will believe you and be baptized will be saved. But if they won't believe you, they'll be condemned. And then he says in verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out demons. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall handle serpents or demons with no harm. And if you drink anything deadly, it will not hurt you at all. And you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So if you believe God, if you walk in obedience to his word, you can break all these curses that could come over you. And if you break these curses in the name of Jesus and claim the promises of the Spirit by faith, that was given to Abraham. You can live in prosperity and blessing free of sickness and disease. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Amen.
Now then, let's talk about these laws that govern these curses and what allows these things to come to pass. Now, there are several laws that govern curses, and these laws apply to each category of these curses. Now, we named earlier that there was at least six type curses that we know of. One of them was generational curses, personal sin curses, accursed thing curses, word curses, founding father curses, and witchcraft curses. Now, let's talk about these laws that uh, control these curses. There is a cause for every curse because Proverbs 26.2 says, Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. Now, curses are regulated or controlled by spiritual law. Of course, spiritual law is God's law. You cannot accidentally stumble into a curse. It is God who decides whether you are cursed or blessed. And his decision is based entirely upon your obedience to his commands. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, we see this clearly laid out where the Lord said there, If you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now then, blessings as well as curses are subject to divine regulation or God's spiritual law. One does not stumble into the blessings of God. Now the following verses is what you have to do to be blessed. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you start in verse 1, it says, And it shall come to pass, that if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, law number two here, sin is the gateway for the curse. Now, the first curses upon the human race came in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And everyone was cursed. Let's start out with the serpent. The serpent was cursed. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat, all the days of your life. And then the woman. Let's see in verse 16. Let's see how the woman was cursed. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth your children, and your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. 
Now, that curse is still in effect today. In fact, uh, in Pharaoh, you shall bring forth your children. The average lady today, when she's having a child, has some of the most excruciating pain that the women, most women, say they've ever had. But if you know the Word of God and you know how to claim the promises of the Lord, you can greatly reduce that pain because you must know these mighty things to be able to get set free from this. But it's available. Now then, let's go on and see what uh, the curse was laid upon the man. After the woman was cursed, then the man was cursed. In verse 17, And unto Abraham God said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now remember, a curse causeless shall not come to rest, as it was written in Proverbs 26, 2. The curses came in Eden, and the cause was sin. Therefore, sin is the root cause for the curse. As long as the root remains, the curse cannot be broken. You must confess sin to the Lord and then stop sinning to be set free from the curse. You know, nowadays, far too few people attribute problems in life with curses. For example, when a farm farmer gets into problems with his crops, does he look for a sin cause in his own life? No. He will no doubt use every possible means to try to remedy his endangered crops. He will resort to fertilizers, herbicides, insecticides, irrigation water, and whatever else he can find. However, according to the Word of God, agricultural hardships are due to curses. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 23 and 24. Now in the Living Bible, Deuteronomy 28, 23 and 24 says, The heavens above you will be as unyielding as bronze and the earth beneath you will be as iron. The land will become as dry as dust for lack of rain and dust storms shall destroy you. Isn't that awesome? What he has said there will happen to us. Sounds like a lot of things that are happening all over the world today, doesn't it? Now, we cannot reverse spiritual problems with fleshly weapons. A curse is a spiritual problem that requires a spiritual solution. Many physical afflictions and many financial plights are due to curses. Now, I read this little story in a book uh, a long time ago that was about curses. Uh, I want to read this. This is a testimony of a preacher. And it's, he started out there, I remember reading that. He said he, when he was about the age of 10, he began to suffer severely from allergies. Uh, asthma, his asthma was so severe that it was common for him to miss as many as 30 days of school at a time. Uh, he said he would lay in bed for a week at a time, struggling for every breath he breathed. And there was little medical relief to be had. He said his parents, they resorted 
through every remedy offered by anyone, much of which was pure superstition. Some people told my mother, he said, that it would cure my asthma if I would smoke dried leaves in a corn cob pipe. <laughs> he says, all this did was blister my tongue. There was another remedy we tried. He says, my height was marked on the wall and a hole drilled in the wall and a lock of my hair was placed in the hole. They said, when I grew past the hole, I would be healed. Now, these superstitions, superstitious practices only compounded his infirmities, he said. Now, hay fever also plagued him. He said it was especially severe in the fall when the ragweed and other pollens filled the air. The hay fever was so severe that he was unable to function for days at a time, and he was just very sick. When the Lord called him to a travel ministry, he said, I told the Lord that I could not travel in September and October because pollens caused severe hay fever. When he reached the late 40s, he began to learn about curses from reading the Word of God. He began to learn about their causes and effects. He says, Our house had its share of idolatrous pictures and figurines. In addition, the walls and shelves were full of American Indian artifacts, including a number of idolatrous objects. The Lord reminded me that I had started collecting Indian artifacts at about the age of 10. The same year that my allergies started, we had a thorough house cleaning. Everything suspect was broken, burned, or disposed of in some way. With the help of others, in the fellowship, he says he went through a complete deliverance. The demons of curse were cast out and the suffering left. Now, isn't that amazing? Here is a preacher that from the time he was 10 till he was 40, for 30 years suffered with all these problems, these allergies and everything that he thought was just a normal way of life. So many people think that sickness and disease is just one of the things you have to put up with. But I'm telling you that's not true. You don't have to put up with these things. And many, many of these sicknesses and diseases are caused by curses. Now then, let's go on to another one of these laws that govern curses. Uh, a curse is a spiritual problem which cannot be remedied by natural law. Now then, what I mean by that is what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6. In verse 7, he says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. And then in Hosea prophesied God's coming judgment on Israel because of her idolatry. In Hosea chapter 8, starting with verse 7, For they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Now, isn't that amazing? The Lord has said that even if this crop does come up, it will be swallowed up by strangers. Even though Israel had paid tribute to Assyria, that would not buy her security. For Israel remained under a curse. 
because of her calf worship. Likewise, anyone under a curse cannot escape through human ingenuity. Now, when sickness and disease are due to a curse, no science of man will cure that person. When the tithe is withheld, there will be a curse upon one's resources, and no amount of planning and toil will curb the devourer. Oh, but we can think of people who have robbed God in tithes and offerings, and they still have wealth. Yes, but as God said through Malachi, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, which is in Malachi 2, 2. No, God is not mocked. Even one's wealth can become a curse. Because in Malachi 2, verse 2, he said clearly, If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you did not lay it to heart. Isn't that amazing what the Lord says he will do if we refuse to give glory unto the name of the Lord? And then in Malachi 3, in verse 8 and 9, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation of you. So that's very clear right there in those verses in Malachi 3. That if a man is not a tither, he's under a curse. Now, I know that many people will say, well, that was in the Old Testament. That does not include the New Testament. But I want to take you to, to uh, uh, Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, and read that to you right here and see what the New Testament says about tithing. This is the living Bible I'm reading out of. Yes. Woe upon you, Pharisees, and you other religious leaders, you hypocrites, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but you ignore the important things, more important things, such as justice and mercy and faith. Yes, you should tithe, but you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. You blind guides, you strain out a net, a net, and you swallow a camel. So you can see that's pretty clear right there that the Lord plans for us to tithe, even to give an offering which is above the tithe. Now let's go to this law number four. Where sin remains, the curse remains. Now let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13 where the Lord says if I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locust to devour the land or if I send a pestilence among my people listen to this however through repentance new blessings will come now listen he just got through saying what he would do up there that he would command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. But in verse 14, listen 
what he will do. For if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, these demons, they have inroads where the sin remains. A curse can only end when the sin behind it is confessed and forsaken and God's forgiveness is obtained. Now, once you get the sin confessed, you're going to have to command those demons that go with that to leave you alone because they will stay around and torment you if they possibly can, and they most definitely will unless you speak to them and command them to leave. Now then, let's take the next uh, law that goes along with this. The power of a curse is demonic. Now God pronounces a curse, and Satan and his demons are the instruments that carry it out. To express it another way, when a curse is imposed, God lifts his restraining hand, and the devil is permitted to work. Again, Returning to Genesis 3.14, we find the enmity that God put between the serpent and man through his curse upon them both. He, the seed of woman, will crush his head, and you, the serpent, will strike his heel. For thus it was man's sin that gave power to the serpent or to the devil to strike man's heel. When our wonderful Lord Jesus took our sin upon himself, the serpent was able to strike the seed of the woman. But Jesus crushed his head. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus provided for us deliverance from the curse. Now in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, we read about Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. Now Cain became became jealous and angry because God accepted Abel's blood sacrifice and rejected his own fruit sacrifice. Now God saw Cain's jealous anger and he warned him. Let's see what he said in Genesis 4, 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Or your face downcast? If you had done well or what is right shall thou not be accepted and if you doeth not well sin lieth at the door and unto thee shall be his desire in other words it desires to have you and thou shalt rule over him you must master it now sin personified was crouching at Cain's door it was like a ferocious beast waiting for an opportunity to spring in through the sin door of his life. Unless he repented and obeyed God, an evil spirit would get in. Just like a dog or a cat waiting to come into the house, all you need to do is just barely open the door and in they come. Now this is a picture of Cain's situation and ours. Sin personified, a devil's emissary. He waits for an opening to leap in with a curse. All he needs 
is for the sin door to be opened. And this is why we are told what to do. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Lord says in verse 26, He said, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Then we are told what to do. He just got through telling us what not to do. And then he is telling us what to do to keep sin away. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Then he tells us what not to do here. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. You know, we really need to be careful what we say with our mouth. Look what he said in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 5. He said, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now think about that. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. Now, many people do those silly things. We've all been guilty of those things at one time or another. Then he says in verse 5, For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Just think of that. If you're covetousness, you are an idolater. You will have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And let no man deceive you with vain words, because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Then he says in verse 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with the people that do those things. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light 
for whosoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So see, if we go to bed angry, we give the devil a foothold. And no telling what kind of trouble you're in for. He's no telling what he will do to you. So as you can see there, he will definitely take advantage of the opportunity to get you. Now, King Saul was instructed by the Lord to destroy every Amalekite and all their livestock. He disobeyed. And for this sin, he received a curse from the Lord. Now, let's see what that says over there in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, it says in verse 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth me. See, the curse of mental illness came upon Saul because of rebellion, which is the sin of witchcraft. Sin is the door through which a curse enters. The power behind a curse is a demonic spirit. If you don't want a demon, don't sin. Because if you start sinning, guarantee you're going to open the door and a demon's going to come in. Now then, law number six. The law provided no remedy for a curse. There was no grace imparted to those who sinned under the law. The curse came without remedy. The Word of God declares in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, since all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and none is righteous, the curse has come upon every one of us in the whole world. Now, David's case was a good example. David broke the commandments, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not kill. David repented with bitter tears, which is very clearly laid out in Psalms chapter 51. And let's see what David did still. When Nathan confronted David, he announced the curse that God has imposed and it is in the next verse here let's see what 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 10 says when, when Nathan was uh, pronouncing this curse after Saul had done what he did or David had did what he did he says now now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house 
because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife thus saith the Lord behold I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and I will give them unto thy neighbors and they shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son for you did it secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son and David said unto Nathan I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan said unto David the Lord also hath put away thy sin thou shalt not die how be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die and Nathan departed unto his house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David and it was very sick just think about this even though David sincerely repented the spoken judgment came upon him and passed down through his family under the law there was no remedy for the curse under the law curses from idolatry passed down to the third and the fourth generation Exodus 20 verse 5 when a child was conceived out of wedlock the curse passed down to the tenth generation Deuteronomy 23 2 once the curse was set in motion no recourse was provided by the law isn't that awesome thank God for Jesus because if it was not for Jesus we would be stuck with all these curses but let's see what Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 and 6 says it says thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments just think about that it pays great dividends to serve the Lord to love him and to do what he says because he pours his blessings out upon you and your children and in Deuteronomy 23 2 it says a child born out of wedlock shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord that ought to make everybody stop and think before they commit any kind of sexual immorality now let's take this next basic law Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law now then we have considered the bad news that under the law there was no remedy for a curse now we come to the good news Christ has provided a way of escape glory 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 thank you Jesus let's read it in Galatians 3:13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree how did Jesus redeem us from the curse of the law he became our sin bearer 
He became our substitute. He took upon himself the penalty that was due us. And he bore it in his own body on the cross. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, says this so very well. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. The law given through Moses imposed curses upon all who disobeyed God's commands. These curses affect the body, the mind, relationships, life sustenance, freedom, environment, and overall well-being. The cross is, therefore, the focus of the gospel, and rightly so, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In practical terms, this means there is no reason for any person to remain under any curse. The remedy is at hand. Now let's see what this next law says. The redemption must be appropriated. Now appropriated, that means to set apart for a specific use or to take possession of or make use of exclusively for yourself. In other words, Galatians 3.14 discloses the benefits provided through Christ's redemptive work on the cross. He says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, says that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Look at that. The blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's the same way you have to receive everything in the kingdom of God. You can't get anything in the kingdom of God except you believe what's written first and then sometimes in very short order if you believe by faith a manifestation of it will come. But you have to believe for everything. Your salvation, everything. To be set free from the curse of the law, healing, prosperity, everything has to be done by faith. Now, how was Abraham blessed? Let's see what Genesis chapter 24 says. Verse 1 says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, Abraham obtained all of God's blessings through faith and not by obedience to the law. It is the same for us. The blessings of God must be appropriated by faith rather than by works. It is most significant that the declaration of Abraham's blessing is connected with his willingness to sacrifice his own son, Isaac, a type of God's sacrifice of his only son, God said to Abraham in Genesis 22:17, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. 
Now, God goes on to renew his covenant with Abraham in the above verses. Indeed, it is through the new covenant provided through the blood of Jesus that we have our remedy from the curse imposed by the law. Now, Jesus died for all, but all are not saved. Why? The remedy must be appropriated. Many of God's children remain under various curses of the law. Why? They have not appropriated Christ's redemption from the curse. Aha! We discover a common theological flaw. The full provision of the cross does not come automatically with the new birth. Otherwise, how could a Christian be sick? For it's clearly written in 1 Peter 2.24, For by his stripes we are healed. Now there is a God-given way to appropriate eternal life, and there are ways we are to appropriate healing and deliverance. We no longer live under the law that was based upon performance, acceptance. But we are now under grace that is based on faith, Grace does not mean that one is immune from curses, but there is now a remedy to the curses, bless God. Now, failure to obey God still brings a curse, but now there is a remedy. For example, God has commanded us to forgive all who sin against us. If we refuse to forgive, I have transgressed God's commandment. The penalty is that I am turned over to the tormenting spirits, However, I don't have to be tormented by the devil. I can repent, forgive the one who wronged me, and cast out the spirit of bitterness and torment. Now, this is all found in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, and 1 John 1, 9. Now, deliverance is a necessary step in being freed from the curses. Since the power of the curse is demonic, the demons holding a curse, in effect, must be cast out. Why not just stand in faith? Because faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Then James chapter 2 verse 17, it says that, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now, dead faith has never accomplished anything. Passive faith is dead faith. Therefore, it is not a matter of trusting God to cast out the demons of curse. God has given us authority to cast out demons, which he clearly said in Mark 16:17 and Luke 10:19. Now it takes faith to cast out demons, and we must believe that God's word is true, that as believers we have authority over evil spirits, and when we command them to go in the name of Jesus, the demons must leave. Now deliverance is faith in action. Now let's look at some of the steps how you would break a curse. First of all, affirm your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell him, Lord, I praise you and thank you that you're the king of the universe, that you're my savior and you're my Lord. And you must overcome Satan with the word of your testimony, which is in Revelations 12:11, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the prayer that you would pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe with all my heart you are the Son of God. You left your throne of glory in heaven and became a man. You lived in this world and were tempted in all things just like I have been, 
yet you did not sin. Then you went to the cross and laid down your life. Your precious blood was poured out for my redemption. You arose from the dead and ascended into heaven. You are coming again in your glory. Yes, Lord, I belong to you. I am your child and heir to all your promises. You are my Savior, my Lord, and my Deliverer. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you will repent from all sins, known and unknown, asking God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that's what you should do. Now then, here's a prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in an attitude of repentance. I ask you to forgive me of each sin that I've committed, the ones I am aware of and those of which I have not recognized. I am sorry for all of them. Then, let's renounce the sins of our forefathers. This is the type of prayer. Heavenly Father, I confess the sins of my forefathers. I now renounce, break, and loose myself and my family from all hereditary curses and from all demonic bondages placed in us as a result of sin, transgression, and iniquities through my parents or any of my ancestors. Now then, let's accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. Let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, you have promised in your word that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and forgive me from all unrighteousness. Now, you wrote this for me in 1 John 1, 9. I believe you have forgiven me for Christ's sakes. Therefore, I accept your forgiveness and I forgive myself. Now, then you must forgive all others who have ever trespassed against you. And this is the type of prayer you would pray. Heavenly Father, others have trespassed against me, but you have commanded me to forgive each person who has ever hurt me or wronged me in any way. I now make a quality decision to forgive. And at this point, if you know people, name each person before the Lord, both living and dead. Also, I bless each one of these whom I have forgiven and pray that they will have peace, joy, and love in their lives. Then renounce all contact with cults, the occult, and Eastern religions. This would be a similar type of prayer. Heavenly Father, I confess this sin and ask your forgiveness for every involvement with the cult, the occult, and false religions. Be as specific as possible. Name the thing, such as horoscope, tarot cards, fortune telling, witching, wicked computer games, and anything that does not bring glory to God. I confess having sought from Satan's kingdom the knowledge, guidance, power, and healing that should come only from the Lord. I hereby renounce Satan and all of his works. I loose myself from him, and I take back all the ground that I have ever yielded to him. I choose the blessings and refuse the curses. I choose life and not death. Now then, after you've done this, destroy all books, objects, and paraphernalia associated with any cults, occults, or false religious sources. Now then, here is a type of prayer that you would pray. Heavenly Father, you are a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate you. Therefore, I destroy 
all books and objects in my possession that are contrary to you and your kingdom. If I have anything in my possession that is not pleasing to you and your kingdom, and it gives any advantage to the devil, please reveal it to me, and I will destroy it. Now then, cast out every demon of curse. This is a warfare prayer. Satan, you have no right to my life, and you have no power over me. I belong to God, and I will serve him and him only. By the authority of my Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of every evil curse that has come upon me. I command every demon of curse to leave me now. Ancestral curse spirits, personal transgression spirits, witchcraft curse spirits, and spoken word curse spirits, and all other evil spirits, I command you to go and leave me and never come back to me again ever in the name of Jesus. Now then, Let's go on and claim the blessings. Now that all the curses are broken and the demons of curse have been cast out, it is time to confess your blessings in the Lord. Know this. The grace of God enables you to stand unashamed in the presence of God himself. Since you have God's favor, you are assured of his blessings. Now let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for delivering me from every curse through the redemptive work of your Son and my Savior, Jesus Christ. You exalt me and set me on high. You cause me to be fruitful and to prosper in everything by your hand of blessing. I am a success and not a failure. I am the head and not the tail, above and not below. You have established me in holiness. I am yours, and I purpose to serve you and to glorify your name. After this, the father in the home should speak a blessing over his wife and all the children. It is a very heart-moving experience for those who have never had a blessing spoken over them by the person in authority in the home. Now God instructed Aaron and his sons to put his name upon the children of Israel and to bless them. Let us use the same priestly words to speak blessings upon others. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now this is in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, 25, and 26. 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't God awesome in all these mighty promises that he's made us? He is more than awesome. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And I trust that you will break these curses over your life. You will repent of all your sins and you will walk in holiness before the Lord because as you walk in holiness, you give no place to the enemy and you only open the doors for the blessings of God to flow in your life. So let's give praise and honor and glory to Jesus for what he done for us on that cross because only because of what he done can we break all of these curses by faith and then we can walk into the Holy of Holies totally delivered 
with no demons dragging along after us and we can live that long, healthy, prosperous life that the Lord has promised us because if you take his word and you speak his word you will set your angels in motion and they will watch over you and protect you day by day and you will have to live in sin you, he paid the price for your sin you won't have to be sick because Jesus himself bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases and so we don't have to be poor anymore but I guarantee you'll have to speak that into existence by faith and you'll have to take it away from the devil by force with it is written so whatever you do get rough with the devil kick him out and walk in love before the Lord so he can bless you abundantly in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth praise the Lord Amen